Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. And we are in a series right now, just to remind you, this series is God's Word for Today Concerning, and then we have these topics. God's Word does not change. Forever it is settled in heaven. So the one thing that you can continually rely on is God's word. Now I thought about this, you know, just while I was worshiping tonight. We are influenced by three spirits. We are influenced by the spirit of Satan. We are influenced by the spirit of God. And we are influenced by our own human spirit. And there's a lot of spiritual activity that takes place in our lives every day that we are even not aware of. And we wonder sometimes why we have these mood swings and and we seem to be up and down at times. And it's because there is a spiritual activity in your life. Do you ever see the cartoon, an angel on one shoulder and a devil on the other and they're each talking in an ear? And then you still have to deal with your human spirit besides. There's a lot of voices in the world today, the scripture says, and none of them is without signification. They all seem important. Good, bad, human, the news, the media, all voices. And you hear them in a radio, on a TV, uh, but you are under the influence of spiritual activity, and you have to discern what spirit is trying to influence your life. That's why the Bible said, try the spirits, whether they be of God. Does any of this make sense to you? I'm trying to help you to understand, because you think that there's a chemical imbalance in your life, and you need more vitamins, and you need more prescription drugs. You're just under a spiritual influence. And you need to stand up to that and recognize what it is. Rebuke the devil, yield to God, do what is right. That's what this is all about. And then you'll feel a lot better and you'll sleep a lot better. All right? So that's my preface for speaking about morality. Those who fail to learn from history are destined to repeat it. We go in cycles. And if we don't learn from our mistakes, we're going to repeat them. And and so we're in a learning process. I remember when I was a Boy Scout. Let's see how many Boy Scouts we have here tonight. Any Boy Scouts? Okay, there they are. They'll be able to repeat after me. I will be physically strong, mentally, and morally There you go. Now you know what the doctrine, the fundamental doctrine of the Boy Scouts is. Fundamental doctrine. And so it hasn't changed. Here's here's what happened in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Continually. 
So it repented the Lord that he made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing, fowls of the air. It repenteth me that I have made them. But God had one problem. And his problem was this guy, Noah. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now I think we're repeating ourselves. Again, we're right back in the days of Noah. And Jesus warned us about this. He says, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the coming of the Son of Man. And here we are. Just like he said. Now, I'm going to say some things that initially might shock you. I'm not doing it for shock effect, but because I believe it. I believe America is backsliding. But I also believe the church is not. America is backsliding, but the church is not. Now, I'm not saying all of the members are persevering, but as a whole, the church is not backsliding. They're staying on course. There are still enough preachers, still enough saints, Still enough of the word of God, still enough of the spirit of God to keep us on track and on course. We should not keep pace with the world. If they lower their standard, we lower our standard. No. If the world lowers its standard, where sin did abound, the worse it gets, the more God turns up the grace. Where sin did abound, grace did much more, much more abound. It's not a time to fall asleep. It's not a time to keep pace with the world. It's a time to stand up for what we believe and what we've believed all along. It is not time to change. And I believe that the church is not backsliding while the nation is. Let me read this to you. This is... 2 Timothy 1 and 12. For the which cause I suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. So no matter how bad it gets, no matter how dark you think it is in this nation, God is still with us, God will see us through. That which we have committed to him will be kept until that day. So I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of America. I'm concerned for America. And I certainly haven't given up on the church. We are a society of Christianity and the Bible. That is our foundation. That's where we were birthed. Those are our values. Morality is a nation's thermometer. The way we conduct ourselves. Let me tell you what I think the world is trying to do to the church. It's trying to box us. It's trying to put the church in a box. We, we, we're not going to object to you going to your buildings and worshiping and preaching anything you want to preach. That's not, we're not against that. 
But when you come out of those buildings and you bring your Christianity to our streets and you start saying things that we don't agree with, that don't agree with our lifestyle, and you begin to bring conviction on us, we don't want that. We're not against religion. We're against a relationship with God. And I want you to know that the church needs to come out of the closet and be the church outside of these four walls. We need to be the church outside of these four walls. In the past, sin was kept in a closet. People that did wrong things didn't talk about them. They just continued to do them in the closet. Well, let's not put the church in a closet. Let's not just say, well, that's what we do in church, but that's not the way we live when we leave the church. All you've got then is you've got a religion. But God never intended for you to be religious. He intended for you to be righteous. He intended for you to be holy. He intended for you to be his bride. And that bride was supposed to shine 24-7, not just on Sunday mornings, 10 to noon. But we're faced with moral issues that we have got to be, we've got to be strong in. How many of you know that that it's not easy to be a Christian on your job sometimes. The world is not above lying, but we must be. Well, it's just a little one. It's just a, a fib. It's not a lie, it's a fib. It's, well, it's a little deceptive. Don't go there. Do not go there, folks. Buy the truth and sell it not. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't cut corners. Well, I think I can get away with this. Nobody will ever know. Uh, nobody's looking. Don't go there. God's looking. See, the source of our blessings and our strength is our God. And the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding both the evil and the good. So even if the person that you're dealing with on the job or as a customer doesn't catch you, you've been caught. God saw it. God heard it. Do you want his favor or his cursing? I want his favor. I know that one of the commandments is thou shalt not lie. I know one of the commandments is thou shalt not steal. How can we say that we're Christians? This I read this in Paul the other day in my bread. You say, yeah, you guys shouldn't steal and you shouldn't lie and you shouldn't do this and do that. And then you do it yourself. I'm talking about morality. I'm talking about integrity. I'm talking about character. You see, personality is what people perceive you to be in public, but your character is what you are when it appears that nobody's watching. We need to be people of character and integrity. Well, Brother Kylie, are you perfect? No, I am not. But when I make a mistake, I'd like to think I'm going to own up to it. I'm not saying this boastfully. I've had to stand before this congregation on several occasions and admit that I was wrong that I had made a mistake. I had to apologize. I've had to ask for forgiveness. 
And some people said, you should have never done that. Yes, I should. I need to be an example. And you need to be an example too. Not just to this congregation, not just to your family, but to this world, that there are some people that won't lie. They won't cheat. They won't steal. They won't curse. We need to stand up. And if we make a mistake, we need to apologize. We need to apologize to the people we've wronged. And we need to get it right with God. Remember the prodigal? I've sinned against heaven and before you. That's what he said to his father. Did you hear that? That's what impresses me about the prodigal. Not the fact that he came home in his humility and said that he wanted to be a servant. No, what impresses me is that he realizes what he has done. I've sinned against my God. And I did it in your presence. And I apologize. To you and to you. That's what I'm talking about. That's the way the church needs to be. We're not perfect. But we should strive for perfection. Can I get an amen? We shouldn't make excuses. We should make apologies. And we should move forward. Now let me share this with you. This is what the Lord laid on my heart. And I, I told you that I believe America is backsliding. The Bible, now home Bible study teachers will, this will be a bit redundant for you, but for those of you that haven't been in a Bible study for a while, there are seven dispensations in the scripture. Now the first dispensation took place in the garden and it was called the dispensation of innocence. This is with Adam and Eve and their temptation. And they were given, and what a dispensation is, is it is a period of time in which God reveals his will, and if his will is not met, he will execute judgment. And then he will usher in another dispensation. So the first dispensation was the dispensation of innocence. There's no law, there's no rules, there's no conscience. There's complete innocence. But God says, I'm going to give you one obedience test. Don't eat of this tree. If you do, these are the consequences. Okay? So that's the first dispensation, innocence. After they partook of the fruit, the dis second dispensation began, which is the dispensation of conscience. What tree did they eat from? The knowledge of good and evil. What is a conscience? The knowledge of good and evil. So now everybody is born initially in, this will really preach well for infants and why we don't baptize infants. Infants are born in innocence. And until a conscience is able to be recognized, knowing right from wrong, they are still innocent. So if they die in an infant state, they die in innocence. But if they grow up and they realize what's right from wrong, now they have to answer for it. And they have to deal with their conscience. And then the third thing, the third dispensation is the dispensation of human government. 
This is where Israel wanted God to give them a king. Samuel didn't want it. He said, God is our king. We don't need a human government. But man insisted, and man got a human government. And we still regret it today. And then the fourth dispensation came along, and that dispensation was the dispensation of promise. And in spite of human government and violations of our conscience, we still have God's promises. And then the fifth dispensation is the dispensation of the law. This is where Moses got the law on Mount Sinai. More than just Ten Commandments, but laws and ordinances. And I want to say this about the law. The law is not just what is written in the scripture. God has given us principles. He can't make a law for everything that we come up against. So he gives us principles, commandments to live by. In this situation, you do this. But you can't have a law for everything. So he gives us principles to live by. We need to be people of principle. We need to live by, well, it doesn't say I can't do that. But in your heart, the Holy Ghost convicts you and lets you know this is wrong. Don't do this. Well, it's legally I'm okay. But spiritually, you're not. And we need to have a balance between the spirit and the word. And so when you feel that little prick in your heart and that little voice that says, don't do this, this isn't right, that's probably the Holy Ghost trying to warn you, don't do it. And then we had the dispensation that we live in now, the dispensation of grace, which was ushered in with the birth of Christ and Calvary and mercy and salvation. And it's the dispensation we live in now. And then the last dispensation will be the seventh dispensation, which is the kingdom of age, kingdom age which will be brought in in eternity. Okay? So those are the seven, the seven dispensations that we've lived in. Now here's what I'm saying. America is backsliding. We're supposed to be in the dispensation of grace, the dispensation of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. New hearts, new spirit, new lives. Regenerated, born again Christians, new creatures in Christ. That's the dispensation we're supposed to be living in. But America wants to go back to the law. We want to go back to the law. We want to live in the, according to the law. We're not interested in a new birth. We're not interested in serving God or being submissive to his principles. We want the law. Why, do you, why would you want the law? Because if there's enough of us that break it, we can change it. And if we can say that it's legal to do something, we're working our way backwards. Let's change. Now we have four states that say that marijuana is legal. What's happening in those four states? Now we have 
gay marriages that are legal. We're saying the law says, what does the word say? What does the spirit say? So we're trying to change our society through the law. We'll change it. We'll legalize it. I can remember hearing about prohibition when it was against the law to drink alcohol. Remember that? But so many people wanted to drink alcohol and it was so profitable that we legalized it. How's that working out for us? So just because something is legal doesn't make it right. And then we, we pass over the, we, we're going backwards now. We go to the law, and, and then we go back to the promises of God, and we pass over them, and we go to human government. Human government. Boy, we've got a lot of problems. A lot of problems with human government, trying to live in human government. Did you know that marriage and the family was left up to the church initially in this country? The only way you could get married was in a church. The only person that could do the marriages was the minister. But then we came along, not just in our generations, in long generations past, and said, well, the church doesn't think that we can be married because we weren't divorced correctly. I got a divorce because I wanted one, and they said without adultery, I, I wasn't legally divorced, and so they won't let me take another spouse, so I want to be married? How am I going to do that? Well, the government will step in. We'll give you a justice of the peace. We'll give you a judge and a, and a 10-minute ceremony, and, and you can give him some money, and he'll fill out the paperwork, and you'll be legal according to the the law and the government. You are legally married. And so the government got, in, got involved in marriages. Hey, we just saw that recently too, didn't we? Gay marriages, they said, hey, the government says you can be married. Hmm. And how about abortion? The government got involved in that, didn't they? The church was the one that preached life. The doctors and the nurses took creeds that said that they were going to do everything to preserve life. That's their job. That's what they get paid to do. And preachers, they were supposed to preach about eternal life and, and prepare people for eternity. But the government said, no, we can help you with that. You don't want to have this baby? Well, we'll make it legal for you not to have the baby. And government got involved in that. Gay rights? Is the government involved in gay rights? What's happening here, folks, is the government is putting its nose where it doesn't belong and kicking God out in the process. We have a human government. We don't have a divine government. We don't have a church. You want to have church? Have it at 995 South Sawyer Road, but don't bring it to our community. Well, we're here. And we're bringing it to the community. 
And if you don't like it, well, form your own church. By the way, I saw a sign not too many months ago, and I'm not, don't, don't come to me and ask me this after church because I won't give you the answer. But somebody, I saw this on a sign on just a ways down the road, said free gay marriages performed in our community. Not Oconomowoc, not the Dousman Oconomowoc, yes. In our community, government is stepping in and they're influencing even churches. We better stay strong. If God said it was wrong for Sodom and Gomorrah, if he put it in the law and told of the consequences in the Old Testament and he confirms it in the new, we cannot back up, we cannot change. Well, what are you, uh, what do you hate people? No, I love people, but I hate the sin while I love the sinner. Would you teach a whole Bible study to gays? Absolutely would. Would you marry them? Absolutely not. Just letting you know, I believe this is right. Hey, let me share this with you. I'm way off my notes anyway. Oh, here, I did want to ask this question before I moved on. You've heard of the separation of church and state? Does the government believe in the separation of state and church? I don't think so. I think that the church ought to influence the government. I think that it ought to bring morality back to politicians. If you say you're going to do something, you better do it. If you're not, you should be held accountable. You lied. Be a person of character. But don't bring the government into the church. Hmm. Let me share this with you. I have to bring it to your attention. Romans chapter 1, verse 24. This is NIV. I don't normally do this, but it's a little clearer here, and, it's, and that's what I'm looking for. Romans 1 and 24 says, Therefore God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. They worshiped and served the created things rather than the creator who was forever praised, amen. And because of this, verse 26, because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural sex relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed sinful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty of their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what they ought not to, be, not, ought not to have done. Now, let me tell you what a reprobate mind is. They use the word deprived. The King James Version uses the word reprobate. Reprobate means, there will be a footnote in your Bible, it will say, a mind void of judgment. That's what a 
reprobate mind is. Now, how does a person, you, I'm gonna answer a question that some of you have asked. How can some people do the things that they're doing today? It takes place over time. It's bad choice after bad choice after bad choice. And if you do the wrong thing enough times, you believe it's all right. Your conscience becomes seared. It's like you don't even have one anymore. And you can do things you never thought you'd do. That's what a reprobate is. And that's the warning here that that we have received. We need to keep ourselves morally and physically and spiritually pure. Now I'm gonna say this, I'm just about finished here. TV is not doing us any favors in Christianity. They're making the Christians look like they're the idiots. You're still a virgin? As if there's something wrong with that. They're making sin appear special and good and a way of life, a new order, a new mannerism. It's wrong, folks. Don't buy it. Don't buy what they're selling. It's wrong. Just because it's on TV doesn't make it right. Just because somebody dresses up nice and looks nice and looks like they have their head screwed on straight and they say things doesn't mean it's true. Doesn't mean it's right. And the, and the scripture has warned us not to take pleasure in what the world is doing. Don't fall for it. Don't get involved in pornography. Well, I'm not hurting anyone. Stay miles away from pornography. Run from pornography. Protect yourself and the people that you love. I'm going to tell you this story. I, I think I've probably said enough, but I, you need to be reminded of, the, of these things. We don't, I, I am so glad for the lack of divorce in this church. I hear the statistics as 50% in the world, and it scares me. Because when I was growing up as a kid, a divorce was looked on as a shame. People that were caught in adultery were ashamed. They were outcasts of society. Did you hear that this guy was unfaithful to his wife and they're getting a divorce? It was a shame. Is it a shame today? Are we still ashamed of adultery? Are we still ashamed of divorce? I remember when I was in high school, I can only remember one girl in high school ever getting pregnant. And they made her leave the school. What's happened to us? Our society is embracing this kind of a lifestyle. And the church needs to stand up and say, no, we are not going to participate. That is not acceptable. It's not right. And we're going to train our children otherwise. 
and we're going to live righteously before God. And we're going to protect ourselves from false accusers, too. I'll give you this. When I was a young man, we had bus ministry. Bus ministry was we picked up kids on Sunday and we brought them to church. And on Saturdays, we would go out on visitations. And what we would do is we would, we would go to those kids' homes and we would meet the parents and we'd try and invite them to church. And, and that's what we did on Saturday mornings. And so I went on a, on a Saturday morning and one Saturday morning, there was somebody that was supposed to be with me. We always went by twos. That was what our pastor told us. You always go by twos, preferably one man and one woman. He never, I don't remember his explanation. He just said, always go in twos. Well, on this particular morning, at the last minute, the guy that was going to go with me didn't go, and I went by myself. And I was in a situation where I was visiting, and a woman came out not properly attired. You don't have to have a lot of Holy Ghost to realize you need to get out of that situation now. And I went right to my pastor's office, and he said, Rick, you never, never, I told you, always go in twos. If somebody doesn't show up, then you don't go. You have to protect yourself, and you have to protect the people that you're meeting with. Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? Well, I'm a big boy. I'm 40. I'm 50. I'm 60. I, you know, I, no, you're still vulnerable. Don't go anywhere with a woman by yourself. Be careful when you pray with women at the altar. This is not a massage parlor. I know I got your attention now. I don't meet with people even at the church without someone else being there. My secretary's got to be there, a brother Cordler, my wife. You should live by that. Don't put yourself in a place where you can hurt their reputation or yours. The neighbors are watching two cars in the parking lot. One man and one woman went in the building. One man and one woman came out. Now we can start gossiping. You see what I'm saying? We need to protect ourselves. Because you know what? Let's stand together. We all want to go to heaven. Psalm 15, Lord, who shall abide in your tabernacle and who shall dwell in your holy hill? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue nor doeth evil to his neighbor nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor in whose eyes a vile person is condemned. But he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. He that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent. And he that doeth these things shall never be moved. I want to go to heaven. But God has some expectations of his investment in my life. So what are we supposed to do as the church for this world? Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly before your God. And if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their nation.
their country, their land. It's on us, folks, because judgment begins at the house of God. And if it begins with us, where shall the sinner and the ungodly appear? We're the only hope that they have. So don't just be a 995 South Sawyer Road Christian. Be a Christian 24-7. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Jesus, help us to stand up for America and intercede in prayer and live the way that glorifies you and gives other people a hope for the same. Let us not be like the world. Let us be like you. We want to be like you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.